Hallo, mein Name ist Tobias und hier bei uns in Deutschland hört wirklich niemand I doubt it with Dolomar. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomar. All right. Thank you for joining us and welcome to episode 308 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, the human Shazam app, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. Yeah, they have a show about that now. I know. That's why I said that. Beat Shazam. You're... <laughs> You are you're frantic to find like trailers or clips of the show, the promos for mm -hmm, the show hosted mm -hmm. by Jamie Foxx, mm -hmm. because you have this uh, maybe low-key undercover desire to get on the show, well, Wh I which I think you would be go very good at. Yeah, I would love to get on the show, but the thing is, is uh, I'm not good at acting like those people that are on the shows. You mean excited? Um crazy and out of control and woo, you know? Why don't you, uh, this leads us into a wonderful childhood story of yours. Mm -hmm. When you tried out <laughs> for cheerleading. Yeah. And didn't get picked. Did not. For actually a very reasonable reason. Yeah, so at the beginning of my tryouts, <laughs> uh, they, they said you you have to run out and do the woo, you know, and make a lot of noise and do a lot of wooing and do a lot of wooing. Go Cherokees, <laughs> you know, um, a lot of a, a lot of that. Yeah. And it, I, I believe it's called spirit. Yeah, whatever. Show a lot of school spirit. And I didn't do that. I just walked out. You know, maybe gave a little wave, a little hand wave, uh, <laughs> smiled, walked to my position, and then started my tryout dance. So I think that that didn't help me and make you, the team. You weren't the first one to go out there. I was not. So you watched everyone doing the 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 high leg kicks and the woohoo clapping and let's go pigs or whatever the Cherokees. Oh, you were the Cherokees. I think so. Yeah, and you still. Didn't do that. Yeah, I did Because you felt embarrassed. Yeah, which was weird because, like you're saying, everyone was doing it. So you were the you were the odd man out. Yeah, I just didn't want to do it. And then the same thing happened when I went to Price is Right. You have to act crazy in line to get picked. Yeah. And I, you know, they came up to interview me. I'm like, hey, yeah, just I would like to win something. <laughs> we, we we know someone who was on Price is Right who got on. Yeah. And they talked about how they had a strategy to act as crazy as possible. That's what you have to do. Yeah. And then I'm I'm watching these people on the beach Shazam previews and they're acting crazy too. They're dancing around and screaming and you have to act very animated. Huh. Like a crazy level of animated. Yeah, yeah. In order to be selected, because they want the show to be entertaining. I sure. get that. They don't just want someone that's all G business. Given and... the hand wave. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, indeed. Go, go Cherokees. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted the outfit. I, I didn't actually want to be a cheerleader. I just wanted to wear the outfit to school. On on cheer days or yeah. game days. Yeah, I'm like, why do they get to do that? I should be able to dress like that on, on 
Spirit Days or whatever they were called. Cherokee Days. Pep Rally Days. Cherokee people. Yep. That was the song. Was that really your song? A song from the 70s was your school song? Yeah. Wow. It, yeah, it was the Pep Rally song. All right. So anyway, uh, Shazam, everybody. New game show that Brittany wants to get on. Uh, second sponsor of the show, everybody. Not the second sponsor of the show. Yeah, I, I wonder uh, how well you would do, though, because it's not just the particular genre of music that you are spectacularly good at. Mm-hmm. You, and you would smash Shazam, because there are times where you have a, a couple of beats come in and you know the song. Yeah. I mean, many, many times that happens, but... You're not good at country music. No, I would know nothing about Some it. Some of the new pop music, uh, you would have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I have no idea. I could probably guess. I know the people. No, you know some of that shit. Like, like you know Bruno Mars stuff. Yeah. But you don't know, like, Nicki Minaj and... Oh, I could probably guess that just based on the one song I've heard and then the voice... Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I would not. I would be fucking completely lost. But that's correct. But I also don't think it's fair to say I just know one genre really well. Because no, I'm just giving you shit. I know classic rock very well. I feel like I'm good at 80s and I'm obviously 70s is my... Your jam. My preferred <laughs> decade. <laughs> Such a weirdo. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's move on with this. We have a few voicemails to get to. Um one we didn't get to last week, and I'm glad we held off on it because of the fact that there is one that kind of came in in tandem with it. And this is a call where they take issue with my apparent going easy on Mos- uh, on Islam. And uh, let's just get to the call. Oh, Jesse, Jesse. This is Mark, the mailman. And I'm recording a voice memo. So hopefully the quality is better this time. But anyways, um, I just want to say that I'm very surprised, concerned, and annoyed that you would equate Islam with Christianity and Buddhism and basically state that all religions are bad. Uh, And you said this in regards to the Manchester attack. Um, This needs to stop. And... You know I love you, but I've I've heard this said so many times and it gets more annoying each time because if you look at the facts, the worldwide uh, numbers, the death in the name of each religion, it's not even a question, it's not even close. Islam, by far the worst. And there's a direct correlation between the terrorism and the religion. It specifically states in the Quran or the Hadith, um, you know, there's specific instructions about martyrdom in jihad and luckily you know people would say well the old testament's horrible too it's as bad of course but luckily there was a reformation and they don't most of them most christians don't take their book literally anymore so lucky for us that's the case um you can't you just can't equate all these religions buddhists i don't even know what they're doing maybe yeah they're lighting themselves on fire in some remote location but I mean, if, like like I said, you look at the numbers, not even close. We need to look at what Christopher Hitchens said. We need to look at what Sam Harris says. We need to look at the facts. Just look at the numbers. You could, you could look at the KKK and say, well, KKK is bad. Yeah, well, there's like 75 KKK active members, and they're not killing anybody. So that's great. We just we need to stop with this false 
equivalence because it's going to get, you know, more people killed. And I actually like what Trump said. I'm no fan of Trump. I absolutely did not vote for him. I voted for Hillary proudly. But I think we need to call them losers. They're losers. They're fucking losers. Calling them monsters isn't going to get anything done. They want to be called monsters because they want to be scary. Calling them losers well, will get it done. they're not scary. They're losers. They're scumbags. Nobody likes them. So that's my 16 cents. Love you. <laughs> you stole my thunder there, Brittany Page. Sorry. Because <laughs> calling them monsters, that's not going to get it done, everybody. Yeah, they want to be called monsters. You call them losers... And they're gonna they're gonna be sucking their thumb in the fetal position. They're gonna stop this beheading business if you call them losers. Well, no one wants to be called a loser. It's the worst thing that you could say to anyone. First of all, l- let me <laughs> goddamn let me unpack all the notes that I just took in the in the course of the the two minutes or whatever the voicemail was. And none of this is out of disrespect, Mark. You're you're just you're you're on a this passion route of correction. That is unnecessary. I don't think Islam isn't a problem. And how unfortunate for you that this voicemail came only a week before a fucking Christian maniac slashed the necks and murdered two people on a bus who were defending two little Muslim girls. How unfortunate. You talked a lot Mark, a lot about, well, just the numbers, the numbers. Let's look at the facts. Look at the numbers. But you never brought up what the numbers were. For someone who seems so steeped and so fully in the know about what the numbers are, you didn't drop any knowledge on us. And that's what I was waiting for. I don't know the numbers. But I'm not willing now and maybe never to indict an entire group of people, two and a half billion people, as terrorists, as they're part of the problem. Islam itself, yeah, for sure. But Christianity itself, yes. The faiths themselves, and what the faith is, is the text, both religions are problematic. Well, and if I can just... (laughs) interrupt for a second he used the word equate he said that you equated all of the religions and um i don't believe that you did that because i remember you talking about islam not having gone through a reformation period Mm -hmm. but christianity did and so you were making these these comparisons under the umbrella of all religions are bad which i i believe mark would agree with so you would think so. So I don't being, think being someone who who invokes the names of of Hitchens and and Sam Harris, you would think so, but not from the voicemail. I wouldn't get that. So I don't think that you were equating them. Although I I will say that when you said the comparisons to the other religions, I think that that serves a purpose. See, what happens is that people don't have rational conversations. Okay. People take what Mark says and they run with it so far into the right lane that they start grouping Muslims into this and and taking Muslims as a whole rather than criticizing the ideas within Islam and taking the issues with the actual the terrorists. Right. 
it can be easy to kind of slip into that. I'm not yeah. saying that's what Mark was doing. I'm saying that people can take what Mark is saying. Because it's easier. And manipulate it into Sean Handy propaganda. Yeah. Nuance is difficult. That kind of 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 radical, single lens, blinder kind of a focus, it's easy to do. Right. And then it can go the other way, way where... And I think this is what Mark perceived you as doing. You equate religions together. You say they're they're all bad, and then people act like Islam is not a problem. I would. Right? Anyone who listens to the show for fucking five seconds knows that I don't think Islam current version isn't a problem. It's certainly a problem. But when 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 Mark talks about all of these deaths, these tragic, horrible violent, gruesome deaths that take place across the globe. You know who gets killed more by Muslims? Other fucking Muslims. Yeah. They are far and away the larger victim of Islamists than Americans. Which brings me to another point, Mark, is you're, you're using this, this myopic, American lens of Christianity. Well, our Christians aren't killing people, so maybe Christianity's great and nobody gets killed by Christians in the world. That's just not the case. All across Africa, there is a radical strain of Christianity where horrors are committed. So using your American-centric eyes to view the world isn't doing you any favors. And maybe you should turn off Sam Harris's podcast for five minutes or so, because although he's a super logical guy and makes a lot of sense, he he speaks with a nuance that you're not communicating. So, and if and if, and if I, and I don't know the numbers, I don't know that anybody really knows the numbers about whether or not Islam, people in the name of Islam, are committing more murders. More atrocities. I don't know those numbers. But I wouldn't be so so quick to, to say that that's the fact when you don't know either. So I, I do want to say because you said that uh, Muslims are the largest victims of terrorism, right? Yes. And since we're criticizing Mark for not providing source on that, I want to give a source on that. Yeah. So according to the UN, Muslims are the largest victims of ISIS. And according to the State Department, Muslims are the largest victims of terrorism in general. All right. And then according to Counterterrorism Center at the United States Military Academy at West Point, Al-Qaeda kills over seven times more Muslims than non-Muslims. Those are stark numbers. So listen, I stand by what I said. All religion is bad. And for those of you who aren't who don't exactly know what I'm talking about with with Buddhists, it's if Tibet gets free reign again and and the Dalai Lama gets to go back to Tibet, a caste system is going to go back in place where you have people who are servants, who are desperately um life-threateningly poor, and that's where they stay. And they bow and scrape at this hierarchy of Buddhism, this royal family structure of Buddhism with the Dalai Lama being at the top. And that's terrible that you have you have no choice but this particular um, thread of life. And you have there's no way to get out of that. That's that's your that's your lot in life. And that's terrible. 
So all religions have their problems. I'm not letting Islam off the hook by any means. Bad shit happens because of the words in their particular book. But bad shit happens with Christianity. It just, it's a fact. And if we're, if we're ranking, if that's what you want to do, okay. Islam would be number one. Christianity would be number two. If that makes you feel more comfortable that we're ranking them with specific numbers, then okay. I guess so. But that doesn't mean that Christianity is off the hook. Well, There's I, nuance here. I, I think that it also comes down to this issue of whenever you're discussing a political issue, let's say someone really cares about um, homelessness or poverty and, and they are really focused on funding uh, for those issues. And then someone says, uh, excuse me, but foreign policy is really important and we need to. OK, well, we can discuss everything. Right. And in fact, everything should be discussed and it's all important and all of it plays a role. And. That's what I think gets lost here is there's two camps. The people who want to take things. Well, there's two camps of people who want to take things too far, right? You have the people with agendas on the right who want to group all Muslims together. And then it results in this discrimination against Muslims that's extremely problematic. And then you have people who want to completely ignore the problem altogether, say it's a religion of peace and that there's no issue whatsoever. And... With most with most things, it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and I, I, I can say I think with a surety that neither one of us, Brittany Page, fall into the one of those groups. No, we want to talk about things openly and earnestly, without demonizing billions of people, and without giving a pass. And listen, sometimes in order to not demonize billions of people. You have to make comparisons with other religions to get people to listen. Yes. Honestly, that's just what you have to do. Well, because it's something they're familiar with. Yeah, because if you make a criticism of Islam, people automatically feel protective. Some people feel protective (laughs) and don't like it, want to put an end to it. Right. But if you start saying, well, no, draw these parallels to Christianity and, and things that they may able to be things they may be able to identify with then the conversation might actually go somewhere. Yeah. So, Maybe. Yeah. If you catch them on that particular day where they're open to new information mm-hmm. or a new way of looking at things. Yeah. Anyway, Mark, I love you too, brother. I like calls like this. I like the challenge. I like being challenged. Yeah. What's more problematic is that Mark hates flip-flops. And men wearing flip-flops. Yeah, apparently I'm a lady or something because I wear pink shirts and I have flip-flops. Come on now. (laughs) That one stuck with you. Yeah. (laughs) That's extremist ideology, Brittany. That's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's get on to the next call, which actually tangentially is related to this. What's going on, Jesse and Brittany? This is Christopher from Maryland. Jesse, I'm the one that sent you the easy gender joke on Facebook. Um, I was listening to episode 307 and all the alt-right Richard Spencer, the guy who stabbed two people in Portland deal. And on Facebook, I had this debate with somebody that me personally, I think all of these far right idiots are all just as radicalized as any Muslim terrorist. 
um, it's pretty much the same thing. A bunch of idiots go online together and then they uh, group together. They hype each other up. They root each other on until somebody goes to the extreme and actually kills somebody. Um, to me, that's exactly the same way that all these radical uh, radical Muslim terrorists are. It's pretty much the same. It's just ours are American and the other ones are citizens of wherever they come from. Or actually, like most of them are homegrown anyway. So they're, they're citizens of whatever country they end up killing a lot of people in. But uh, to me, I see it as being exactly the same. Uh, there's no difference between the radical alt-right and radical Islamic terrorists. But uh, I had somebody on Facebook debate me that, no, they're not the same. Uh, they can't be the same. One is supported by, you know, uh, a bunch of money and they have networks and they're spread out all over different countries and all this other kind of nonsense as to why they are worse than the the alt-right terrorists. Um, but I just don't see that. I, I just don't see how that's possible. They all seem like the same people to me. They all seem like people who, like I said, go online, um, go to these forums, these websites, uh, get hyped up, get amped up by their peers and then go out and kill a bunch of people. Um, you know, just some people aren't comfortable calling them terrorists because they're American and they like to make other excuses pretty much because they don't want somebody that could be associated with them to be considered a bad person. So, uh, when a American, when a alt-right idiot goes out and does some crazy stuff, um, they're not terrorists because, you know, they're American and I'm American. So therefore, you know, they're, they're not terrorists. They're just crazy people when they're, you know, mentally ill and all these other excuses when they're actually the same exact people. And I was just curious if you guys could give your thoughts on it. If you think they're basically the same or not, I mean, these, uh, good old Americans have killed more Americans than any radical Muslims. Um, so I don't get it. You know, I, I don't understand it, but there's still plenty of people out there who do think that way and i was just curious if you guys can give your thoughts thanks i love the show thank you christopher um again some of the questions that you ask we just answered in the mark call i would i would take issue with some of that and this isn't to say that we shouldn't be have a, a lens an eye focused on the alt-right and maniacs like we just witnessed in portland but I don't know. It doesn't seem correct to me that alt-right, radical, um, conservative Christian types kill more people in this country than, than Muslims in the name of their faith or their ideology. It just doesn't seem right, especially when you take into account 9-11. Now, if there was no 9-11, yeah, you might, you might have a case. But when a maniac goes into a, into a bar in Orlando, Florida and kills tens and tens of people. Uh, that wasn't all right. Now, the reason I say that we should keep an eye on them is because if we let it get out of hand, it could turn into something where on a weekly, on a monthly basis, we're seeing killings. Right now, it's just one-offs. Just extra extreme members who hold the far um, radical ideologies of the group. Yeah. I think that would be a hard discussion to have on Facebook, number one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for obvious reasons. But number two, because even in the voicemail, there was kind of moving of the goalposts. So if you say that the radicalization is similar, 
I, I could see similarities. So can I. Uh, if you're talking about other elements, I'm not sure. I would love to read the Facebook thread. I love reading comments. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I found this article and it said the online radicalization we're not talking about. It's from New York Magazine and it's awesome. And it talks all about the alt-right movement on the internet. Yeah. And they call it red pilling the normies. Yeah. There's an actual phrase. And that's the the goal of these alt-right movements is to red pill the normies and convert young men to their way of thinking. Well, particularly young men. I'm sure they would accept anybody, but young men seems to be the the target. And it, it there's many different people included in the alt-right. You have the men's right activists, mm-hmm. MRAs. People love when I talk about them. <laughs> Uh, people who are really concerned about multiculturalism and globalism, um, you know, nationalists, all of these people. Then you've got the people who are singularly focused on safe spaces in college campuses, like that's a major problem or something. And that ties into free speech. You know, that that's that's another element. You mean stopping the safe spaces. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And then white supremacists are also included in this. And within all these little priority categories they have different goals in these communities but what happens is they go into these websites and i'm not really sure what the websites are maybe um on reddit or reddit certainly a breeding ground yeah so they go onto these websites and they start exchanging this misinformation and like subtly adopting one another's ideologies yeah and and sharing these memes and exchanging this not accurate information and they get all riled up. Come on, Brittany. Pizzagate was a real deal. Yeah, Pizzagate is mentioned in here. Seth Rich. That's a real conspiracy theory. That shit's going on. Open your eyes. Take the red pill, Brittany. Yeah, but the point of this article is that... Brittany! Take that red pill, girl! The point of this... The point of this article (laughs) really goes along with Christopher's voicemail. Yeah. Which is... No one's talking about this radicalization. No one's talking about this community of people going onto these websites and what's going on there. What the hell's happening? Well, listen, ISIS wasn't ISIS until it was ISIS. That might not make a lot of sense, but these alt-right groups, they're not radical until they are. And if we're not, you know, keeping an eye on this, and I don't want to use the word monitoring, but, you know, keeping them, if the rest of us good people aren't monitoring and fucking keeping tabs on it, it's going to be radical before we know it. And then it might be too late. Yeah. So given the similarities in terms of radicalization with the Islamic terrorists and the alt-right terrorists, this seems like something that political scientists or whoever needs to be looking at as well. Yeah. Because... This is becoming a problem. Well, listen, this guy in Portland, when he's being arraigned for the brutal murder with a knife, cutting the necks of three people, two of whom died. This is what he said at his uh, his first court appearance. Greg Scholl, 954039 from the Metropolitan... Free speech or die, Portland. You got no safe place. This is America. Get out if you don't like free speech. 
you call it terrorism, I call it patriotism. You hear me? Die. Now, I don't know what the rest of that was. This noise here. I think it was he had a friend that showed up, and it was a crowd of people uh, shaming his friend and getting his friend out of there. Oh, okay. Huh. That's what I that's what I heard. Yeah. Well, free speech or die, Portland. You've got no safe spaces. You may call it terrorism. I call it patriotism. All that is dangerous rhetoric. Free speech or die. Your free free speech rights were being in question. They were being threatened. When you were when you were screaming and harassing women of which you don't have a right to do in a public space to threaten and harass. You don't have that fucking right. Mm -hmm. This is America. And they weren't breaking the law by wearing a fucking hijab or being Muslim in your immediate area. You fucking hillbilly. I would love to know his history. I know I say that every time something like this happens, but I would love to know his background and what led him to this place. What led him to that haircut's what I want to know. Well, he looks like a, a wrestler in WWE. He looks like a, an 80s butt metal, shitty heavy metal band leader who just never made it and then never re- didn't get the memo. Cut your fucking hair, dickbag. Yeah, so there was also footage of him on the same public transit that he was using when he... Oh, the day before. Yeah, the day before. And someone was filming him from behind, and he was yelling about cutting people's throats. Yeah, a knife, again. Yeah, um, so... It seems premeditated to me. Yeah, I just... This is very strange, because if I saw someone yelling that... I would be not just filming it. I'd also film it probably or get you to film it. And then (laughs) I would call the police and say, I'm on this train with this dude who is threatening murder, just telling everybody that he's going to cut some throats today. Uh, Seems like something you guys might want to come address, especially in Portland. You think someone would do the right thing? Yeah, that's liberal, liberal. That's crazy liberal there. And then the report is the same city where they shut down two white ladies because they were making burritos and these ding dongs thought that it was cultural appropriation. Yeah. And forced them to shut down. That's the Portland we're talking about here. You would think someone would have done the right thing. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, Christopher, listen, I hope we answered your 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 questions. You as well, Mark. Let's kind of let's get to our, our bread and butter here. With some politics in a call. And off of the uh, Islam alt-right crazy train. But before we do, though, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Suji's Korean Cuisine. We have heard from a lot of you guys out there that you have gone into your local Target in the deli section and have got the, the, the bulgogi. Yeah. Sp- specifically. Mm-hmm. And we're hearing good things. So we we want to thank you guys as well as our sponsor for checking them out and supporting them. And by virtue of that, supporting us. If you too would like to check it out, you can go to Costco in the Southeast, H-E-B, like I said, the Target deli section and uh, the refrigerated section. 
Yeah, not the frozen food section. I'm getting the crook eye over here. So in the refrigerated section is where you'll find that savory beef. And it's a centuries-old family tradition of marinating lean meat in a blend of soy, pear puree, vinegar, and sesame oil for a perfect blend of sweet and tangy flavors. And it's just the beef in there, so you can kind of do whatever you want once you get it. You can put it in tacos. You can make a sandwich. You can make a little rice bowl. Versatile. And and good. Yeah. Suji's Korean Cuisine. Korean-inspired, made in the USA. Thank you, guys. And other support for the program comes from... Generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Victor. Victor. And Matt. Matt. And now that it's June, everyone who became a Patreon supporter in May, we will be sending out stickers within the next couple of days. Yes. So. And I also want to mention, if you're still on your... Did I cut you off? No, it's fine. Oh. <clears throat> And I also wanted to mention that if you're still on the per episode uh, way of, of, of donating to the show, you might want to go in there. We only mentioned it a few times during that first transition month, but you might want to go in there and update your pledge to be whatever you want it to be on the monthly level. Well, everyone moved to the monthly pledge, so you're not no you're no longer on the the per episode thing, but you're giving your amount per episode. So if you never went and adjusted that, uh, let's say you were giving 25 cents an episode. Well, now you're giving 25 cents a month. So (laughs) if you want to fix that, you can go in and just change that um, for the month of June. And there you go. But if a quarter's good for you, a quarter's good for us. Thanks, you guys. We appreciate you very, very much. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So our last voicemail of the show, I didn't want to group it in because it leads right into a topic I had slated for this. And uh, let's just jump into it. Hi, guys. It's Dan from Oceanside. I was thinking about something watching uh, the gentleman who's running against Merkel for the German chancellorship. Uh, Sorry that I don't know his name. Uh, When he made a speech during the kind of the teeth of their campaign for that position and made a speech or a statement about how poorly Trump had treated her and that that's a a front to all Germans and that that's not something he's going to put up with either, which means that no matter who wins, we're not going to be repairing our relationship with Germany until Trump is out of office, if we can. Um, And it's made me wonder if we've lost something uh, in American politics, like what would someone have to do to Trump before Democrats would be offended by it? Uh, I mean, I, I can't stand him and I want him out of office the sooner the better. And I can't think of anything offhand that I wouldn't kind of receive with joyous glee. Uh, because he's so degraded the position. But I'm wondering if that's just something we'll never get back, just like the that there are things that can happen that both Republicans and Democrats would be... You know, ha- has the office been so degraded uh, 
that we can't see past the person in it. Granted, I think this is a special case. Uh, if this was President uh, Marco Rubio, I wouldn't feel the same way. I don't think thing, our discourse would be as bad. Uh, but I, I just appreciated his words of, uh, and the Germans and the French really standing up for themselves right now because they are being treated like like garbage by uh, our executive right now. So, yeah, just wondering if you guys had, had have that thought. I think it's kind of depressing that the state of discourse is what it is, but, you know, I guess we'll see how it goes. All right, love the show. Keep up the good work. It is interesting, and it's actually a thought I've had in the past that... Uh... For me, it kind of boils down to this. The shit that Trump gets typically, Trump deserves. Because Trump brought it on himself. You know, when when you have Kaylee McEnany and you have that uh, the goofball... Jeffrey Lord. Jeffrey Lord. I couldn't think of his name. Defending, defending, defending. And even going as far as to say, well, they're not being fair to him. This This level of discourse is really degraded and they're being disrespectful of the president. Are, are you fucking kidding me? He br- he brought this on himself. He started with the most the nastiest campaign in the history of the of the presidency maybe. And now he wants everybody to bow and scrape and be nice to him. That's not the way it works. Yeah, the video that Dan was talking about is remarkable. If you go watch it, the guy who is running against Merkel, this was passionate. He wasn't just saying this. It wasn't just something that he was told to say by his campaign. He was passionate in saying that he, that Merkel is not being treated well and that it is not okay. Right. He really felt this. And it was nice to see. It, it's so foreign to us because this never happens in yeah. our political world. But with Donald Trump, like you're saying, he is a difficult person to like, number one. That's... And- that's putting it very diplomatically. And he he brings that on himself. And as someone who is more of a lefty than a righty, I liked George W. Bush. When I see interviews with George W. Bush, I get emotional. I think he's a, a cool guy that I would probably enjoy hanging out with. And Just ju- wrong about a bunch of shit. Yeah. And just because I disagree with him doesn't mean that I hate him or think he should be treated poorly, right? Yeah. And we are kind of losing that right now. But we also lost it a little bit with Obama because the the right, there were so many vicious attacks on Obama because of who he was as a person. Right. Like race-related comments, right? So I think that this has been building in the country a little bit, getting worse. Right. It, it's almost an answer to the Obama years. Like, oh, you you put us through that. Now we're going to go crazy the other way. Just a knee-jerk reaction. But what, what I want to talk about here is we have an example that just happened this week with the Kathy Griffin thing. Kathy Griffin, a comedian, she had a photo shoot with a with a bloody, severed, fake Donald Trump head. And there was outrage on both sides of the aisle. Justifiable outrage condemning this on both sides of the aisle. Because you're not just attacking Donald Trump and making him the butt of the joke. You're, you're, you're bringing into it 
something that I believe to be sacred, and that's the office of the presidency. And uh, she got it with both, both barrels open from both sides of the aisle. Both Democrats and Republicans have come out and condemned what she did. And she, she's been fired by CNN from her New Year's Eve gig, which is kind of a bummer for you and me, Brittany, because that's, that's a show we, we typically watch every year. When we're home. When we're, when we're, when we're home, <laughs> which is a lot. <laughs> Just on the off chance we happen to catch it. And prior to her firing by CNN, which I might add, really goes to the fact that they are an honorable organization. Because if they were the enemy of the people and the enemy of Donald Trump, they would have given her the old pat on the back. Hey, good job. But instead, they did the right thing. They held their... I don't know if employee is, is accurate, but the person they had association with, they held them accountable. You're no longer associated with us because you went over the line in a way that is not a look the other way kind of a deal. Yeah. What really bothers me about it is she just handed this gift on a platter to the conservatives. To make him a victim. And now they can have the moral high ground to say, look at these liberals. Yeah. And what they do. Right. Well, but you know what? Look at the liberals who have in in unison condemned her because she did the wrong thing. Anyway, before she was fired, she actually went, took to tape and apologized in a, a small, it was a, a non-apology apology. Hey everybody, it's me, Kathy Griffin. I sincerely apologize. I am just now seeing the reaction of these images. I'm a comic. I crossed the line. I moved the line, then I crossed it. I went way too far. The image is too disturbing. I understand how it offends people. It wasn't funny. I get it. I've made a lot of mistakes in my career. I will continue. I asked your forgiveness, taking down the image, gonna ask the photographer to take down the image, and I beg for your forgiveness. I went too far. I made a mistake and I was wrong. Well, it's almost like she was doing it in an Instagram story and it needed to be a certain length. And so she was talking like an auctioneer. <laughs> hey, what, 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 yeah. sorry, 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 sorry. Went yeah. too far, too far. <laughs> Maybe use a different method if you actually want to sound like you are apologizing in a genuine way. Right. Well, and also, the, 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 we only play the audio. The video, she's like rolling her eyes and it just, it doesn't, it didn't come across as sincere to me. Maybe those who know her better, because I don't follow her work, maybe they thought it was genuine, but it didn't come across as genuine to me. Yeah. So this... Also, apologizing for the reaction isn't apologizing for what you did. Yeah. I'm just now seeing the reaction. Ooh, sorry. Well, if it wasn't funny, you're the comic. You should know it's not funny when you're clicking send, when you're hiring the photographer when you're going through the motions of having the, the, the model head that really did look like Donald Trump, when you're having that made, maybe you should give it some thought. It wasn't like all of a sudden this head, bloody head showed up. And you're like, oh, let's take some pictures with this thing. Yeah. There was planning. There was forethought put into this. Yeah. And, of course, Donald Trump and the Trump family jumping all over this. Yeah. Saying that this is not okay. Melania Trump questioning Kathy Griffin's mental health. Well, that's come on. And Hot damn. Uh, we shared this tweet to the page that it, because Donald Trump in 2012, I believe it was, 
tweeted defending Ted Nugent. Right. Oh, read that quote. Oh, yeah. After Ted Nugent, he had that whole drama where the Secret Service came and interviewed him and he had to be cleared because he said, quote, if Barack Obama becomes the president in November again, I will either be dead or in jail by this time next year. If you can't go home and get everybody in your lives to clean house in this vile, evil, America-hating administration, I don't know what you're made out of. And he said this in a video that the NRA posted on YouTube. Goddamn. So... (laughs) Tell me if that's not a terrorist organization. So Donald Trump tweeted and said at the time... Ted Nugent was obviously using a figure of speech, unfortunate as it was. It just shows the anger people have toward Barack Obama. Yeah. And funny, uh, a comedy writer. Yeah. Daniel Powell. He retweeted this and said, Kathy Griffin was obviously joking, unfortunate as it was. It just shows the anger people have toward real Donald Trump. Right. And we shared this to the page and a lot of people are saying, how can you defend this? Why are you defending it? Okay, there's clearly a point here in the tweet. Well, we're pointing out the hypocrisy. Yeah. We, we don't have any love for what Kathy Griffin did. It was wrong. Yeah, it's a problem. But yeah. here's the other problem. Ted Nugent was just hanging out with Donald Trump in the White House. Right. Given, given free reign of the White House to stand in front of Hillary Clinton portraits and mock them to disrespect our country's history. When just a few years ago, he was interviewed by the Secret Service. Because he may have been a physical threat to the President of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Donald Trump's good buddy. (laughs) Right. So CNN had to fire Kathy Griffin because they had to. the right thing to do. Yeah, and they had to for image purposes, right? Anderson Cooper tweeted, they're good friends. He had to say that it was disgusting that he... I don't know that I would say that they did it just for the image reasons. I'm not saying that they did it just for that. I'm saying they had to for image purposes. I mean, discounting all the right reasons. You you can't be associated. Yeah, they, they couldn't be associated with that and be a legitimate news organization in many people's eyes, right? So... I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm upset that she gave them this gift. That's what yeah. really bums me out. Well, it's, it's, listen, if what is funny to you as a comedian is just trying to get a rise out of people, eh, maybe go get a job at Walmart. Well, this is always controversial. Depicting the death of the president of the United States. Yeah. That's always controversial, regardless of how the nation feels about that president. That's a controversial thing to do. Yeah. So I know I, I have to... F- well, let me say this. And this leads us right into the next topic, the Kofefi. Kofefi. Uh, that night, when he tweeted the dumb thing, and you tweeted, and then like an hour later, you're like, Jesus, that, that tweet's still up. Yeah. Sh- should I delete my tweet? Because maybe maybe something bad happened to him, and I don't want to be taking part in this this craziness um, if he's really hurt. So even though he's Donald Trump, he's still the president, and you were giving that much deference because of it. Well, I don't think I was giving deference because he's the president. I think I... Just because he's a human? I don't want to be a, a dick on any forum when someone is dead, like dancing on their grave kind hmm. of a th- I don't know that's that feels uncomfortable to me yeah you're a better person look at than me, me on my moral high ground you're a way better person than me 
Well, even I, I follow. Because I went crazy that night. I follow Morning Money Ben yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. And he also, he was tweeting a couple of things. And then the last thing he tweeted that night was, seriously, I hope the guy's okay. Yeah. Because it was left up for so long. And it was so strange to people. Like six hours. Yeah. Like, one, why is no one noticing? Yeah. The, the White House staff, they don't have any control over this guy. He must just lock the door behind him when he goes upstairs to the residence, and then nobody gets in. Well, there was one report that said once he goes upstairs, there's no managing him. Oh, really? So. Huh. Well, seems pretty accurate, because that's what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't Sean Spicer asked about it, though, at the press conference? Uh, Yes, he was. Trying to get information about what, what exactly happened. Well, I also wanted to read that... There were several different of his surrogates, like Kaylee McEnany, who who defended it like it was a real thing. Does everyone know what we're talking about? I think so. I can't imagine it fucking <laughs> lost its mind on the Internet. Well, I just don't think we've explained it. Well, he tweeted. It's gone now, but he. Well, I have got screenshots of it. He sent a tweet late at night and it was not finished. In fact, it ended with a word that is not a word, clearly a typo. And so he just sent this incomplete tweet that Jesse's going to read, and I'm stalling, if you can't tell, so that he can find it. But he's taking a really, really long time and growing more panicked as I have to keep talking. Well, I'm going through all the hate from the Filipinos (laughs) on my phone while I'm trying to find the goddamn tweet. Well, and I I would find it because I'm on his page right now, but he has since deleted it. Despite the constant negative press kofefi. Yeah. I think what he was trying to say was coverage, but his his Ambien or whatever kicked in, and then he was like, oh, the <laughs> he just fell asleep. Yeah, so it's concerning that the president of the United States is accidentally tweeting things. Yeah, what else is he doing like this? What what are the, what's the damage he's doing that we don't know about? It's weird. But Kaylee McEnany tweeted, Kofefi was not poll tested or focus grouped. Another reason our POTUS is simply great. He's human. He's real. He's just like us. That was in the midst of all the craziness. That was at 1022 on the, on the West Coast. And she's a full-throated defense of it rather than just like, ah, oh, the guy fell asleep. She's bringing in the fact that it wasn't poll tested and focused. What are you talking about? And then the next day, When Sean Spicer was asked about it, he said something equally, maybe more, insane. Hunter. Thank you, Sean. Um, Do you think people should be concerned um, that the president posted somewhat of an incoherent tweet last night and that it then stayed up for hours? Uh, No. Why did it stay up so long? Is is no one watching this? No, I I think the, the, uh, the president and a small group of people know exactly what he meant. Blake. 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 What is Kofefi? Blake. No, but so you can't. Blake. Is it this point with Paris? I'm concerned about Sean Spicer's mental health. <laughs> Melania is concerned about Kathy Griffin. I think she needs to direct that at Sean Spicer. How can you do that job with a straight face he, and, and stay healthy? He comes out the, these last couple days. He has not looked yeah. good. He looks defeated. Yeah. Well, it, it's a bummer. Even the way he sounds. The president and a small group of people know what Kofefi means. 
It was a mistake. He fell. What are they trying? Why are they trying to make excuses? Everyone literally laughed in his face. And that's the point. You can hear April Ryan, too, getting a little sassy with him. (laughs) Well, and that's where we are now. And honestly, I'm wondering why it hasn't happened sooner, because there's many times where I feel like they should have laughed in his face because it's insulting. What's the point of these? There's no point to them. He just comes out and says, well, I think a small group of people know exactly what he meant. Oh, okay. So he's tweeting code for the small group of people that he could just talk to. Right, what, right. What, what's going on? To his his like 30 million or however many Twitter followers. Yeah. It's an inside joke for five people that he's tweeting to 30 million people. It doesn't make sense. Fucking idiots. Yeah. Idiots. All right. Listen, we've got the climate change accord in Paris that we don't know what the outcome is here. Because it, everything is a reality show. Right. He's it, it, at three o'clock. I'm going to let you know, everybody, he right has, after this. He's tweeted twice about how he's going to make an announcement. Uh, so anyway, we're going to hold off. I've got a couple clips on that. Maybe we'll tackle that on the on the on 309. But um, let's talk about this before we go. We'll just cut the show off after taking care of Biz Britt. And that is Devin Nunes is back in the news. He has recused himself from his duties as chairman of the Intelligence Committee in the House. But apparently he's he's issuing subpoenas willy-nilly, even though he's not supposed to be doing so without talking to the ranking member of his committee. The new dispute stems from seven new subpoenas issued by the House Intelligence Committee on Wednesday, four of them seeking testimony and documents from former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and President Trump's private attorney Michael Cohen. They were approved by both parties for their Russia meddling probe. But the three others were issued unilaterally by Chairman Devin Nunes without Democratic approval. The Wall Street Journal says those subpoenas were issued to the FBI, CIA, and NSA for information about alleged unmasking by former Obama administration officials, seeking details about exactly what led to the unveiling of the names of Trump aides who were in contact with Russian officials and were caught up in surveillance of foreign officials. Former National Security Advisor Susan Rice, former U.N. Ambassador Samantha Power, and former CIA Director John Brennan all named in the subpoenas. A senior aide claims Nunes was acting separately from the Russia investigation. And his aides stress Nunes never entirely recused himself, that he only temporarily stepped aside. Can this investigation continue as U.S. chairman? Why would it not? In April, Nunes announced he was temporarily putting Congressman Mike Conway in charge of the Russia probe. Nunes faced a firestorm of criticism about how he handled classified materials when he obtained documents during a secret White House meeting without telling Democrats on his own committee. I have seen intelligence reports that uh, clearly show uh, that uh, the president-elect and his team were, I guess, at least monitored. I don't agree with the chairman's characterization. Last month, CNN learned that Nunes was still reviewing classified intelligence related to the Russia investigation and that also in a private committee meeting, Republicans were stressing that Nunes still had subpoena power. But under House rules, the chairman is allowed to issue subpoenas, but only in consultation with the minority party in certain circumstances. That did not happen. And now, early, early this morning, Donald Trump tweets, the big story is the, quote, 
unmasking and surveillance, unquote, of people that took place during the Obama administration. So once again, we're seeing Devin Nunes work in concert with the White House, it seems, to collude to obfuscate and cloud the investigation that is currently happening with his former committee or the committee he formerly chaired. Yeah, and as it relates to that, Trump is exempting his entire senior staff from White House ethics rules. Uh. And let's talk about what this means. Because now Steve Bannon has the green light to communicate with Breitbart. Directly with Breitbart. To, I mean, what is he going to do? What do you think that's going to... Yeah, well, that means Breitbart is now the... the, the, the An the official... State, the state... Uh, news source. An official propaganda wing. Yeah, they are the RT of America now. So he has exempted his entire senior staff from provisions of his own ethics rules to allow them to work with political and advocacy groups that support the administration. Staffers given a pass on those rules include White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway, who now has the green light to communicate and meet with, quote, political advocacy, trade or nonprofit organizations that formerly employed her consulting firm, despite ethics rules that would otherwise bar her work with former clients. Unbelievable. And then, of course, we talked about Steve Bannon. Well, this is problematic and ethics watchdogs Mm -hmm. are, are concerned and the White House released a list of waivers to the ethics pledge. And people are talking about it as though, aren't you happy that he released this? Oh, because it's transparent. Look at our shitty behavior. It's transparent. Yeah. We're being open about it. We're, be- we're doing it in the open. <laughs> so You're still doing something shitty. Well, how are Trump supporters going to take that information? Are they going to look at it and say, wow, this is... This is not good. Or are they going to not give a shit? Well, they're in the cult of Trump, because so they're not going to give a shit. That is who should care. That's who we want to care because they're the ones who don't care right yeah, now. Yeah. And so this transparency is not going to be beneficial. So what you have with Nunes, this exempting the entire senior staff, is just this operation going on to preemptively discredit like James Comey's testimony. Yeah. Or get ahead of all of these scandals, right? Do anything. That is exactly what they're doing. To Not get there. ahead of these scandals. Yeah. And that should be seen as problematic to everyone. Well, listen, I think I think we are slowly or let's 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 rephrase that. I think Donald Trump is slowly chipping away at his 35 or 40% approval rating in the in the downward direction. People on the outer fringes of his support network are starting to wake up. They're starting to red pill, Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) Normie's taking the red pill. That's right. They're starting to figure it out. And that's why we're seeing his approval rating dipped lower and lower and lower. So we'll see. Um, Like I said, on Monday's show, we'll follow up on what happens with the the Paris Climate Agreement, the announcement, which will be here in 29 minutes as of this very moment. Um, By the time I post this, we will know, and then we'll have something more to talk about, maybe get into a little bit of climate science and climate denial bullshit, too. So um, it'll be good. (laughs) 
taking care of biz. Edith Fuller. Edith Fuller. Yes. She is a six-year-old. Her name is Edith Fuller, and she's a six-year-old? Yeah. Wow. All right. (laughs) Yeah, the classic names are making a comeback, don't you know? I guess so. And so she's the youngest competitor in the National Spelling Bee. Six years old? Yeah. Wow. That is taking care of biz. So this is the Scripps National Spelling Bee. And the top prize is $40,000. It's scholarship money, right? Uh, I don't know. You also win like Scrabble or something. Toyota Prius money. Yeah. So <laughs> she's the youngest ever competitor. And I believe she qualified when she was five. She turned six on April 22nd. That is unbelievable. Because these kids, they be spelling some words. Yeah. And she's, they go crazy. And she's on the stage with people who are twice her age. Right? Wow. So she was among the 259 kids who were still spelling yesterday in the competition with a starting field of 291 wow so she beat out some people but she's gone now she did get eliminated but she beat out like 50 people a six-year-old she is taking care of biz yeah she is because she's a genius and her parents say that this is just something that comes naturally to her they were kind of sitting around the dinner table as they explain it just spelling words for fun. <laughs> yeah, most kids at this age are, how do you spell yellow? Yeah. And <laughs> and someone threw out, how do you spell restaurant? And she was able to spell that. And there's probably adults that can't even spell oh, restaurant. Of course. I'm sure everyone listening has at least one person on their friends list that cannot spell restaurant. And she spelled it, no and, problem. And if you can't think of one, you're the person. <laughs> <laughs> And she was able to spell it. So they thought, wow, I think she has a gift. Okay. And clearly they were correct. Yeah. And so they decided to start practicing with her and they practiced the the words with her and she rocks it. Awesome. Take care of biz. So the competition features kids from six to 15. So luckily she turned six before it happened. Six to 15. Yeah. So she's people who, (laughs) who can almost drive a car legally and she is... Like in first grade, yeah. kindergarten, first grade. Yeah. So she got eliminated, but watch for her next year. No kidding. Holy because shit. She'll have a whole year to memorize some words. Yeah. She's going to come back and take care of even more biz. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to leave you there with that good news until next time. We appreciate you guys. Listen, if you'd like to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We appreciate your guys' listenership very much. Obviously, we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't have an audience. And we also appreciate your support. If you would like to support the show by other than listening twice a week and to our bonus content, or as often as you guys do, you can go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page there. There's a link that says support the show. There you'll find all kinds of ways to support the show, and we'll likely be adding more to that list soon. If you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. And we love you guys. We appreciate everything you do, from rating and reviewing us on iTunes to giving uh, donations of your hard-earned money in, in, in monetary support. Everything matters, and we love you guys. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore. 
And this has been I Doubt It. They're losers. They're fucking losers.